Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning as we continue in our season after Epiphany. I know I send greetings from Pastor Lori, who's on vacation, or I think I can. Um, very positive to her, I've not heard from her. So getting some important R&R. So um, let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship this morning with our thanksgiving for baptism. I invite all who are able to stand and turn toward the font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, the fountain of living water, the rock who gave us birth, our light, and our salvation. Joined to Christ at the waters of baptism, we are clothed with God's mercy and forgiveness. Let us give thanks for the gift of baptism. We give you thanks, O God, for in the beginning your spirit moved over the waters, and by your word you created the world, calling forth life in which you took delight. Through the waters of the flood you delivered Noah and his family. Through the sea you led your people Israel from slavery into freedom. At the river your son was baptized by John and anointed with the Holy Spirit. By water in your word you claim us as your beloved children, making us heirs of your promise and servants of all. We praise you for the gift of water that sustains life. And above all, we praise you for the gift of new life in Jesus Christ. Shower us with your spirit and renew our lives with your forgiveness, grace, and love. To you be given honor and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord in the unity of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Everlasting God, you give strength to the weak and power to the Make us agents of your healing and boldness, that your good news may be made known to the 
The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 40. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their hosts and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, but his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. The word of the Lord.
fear the Lord. In those who await God's steadfast love, Hallelujah. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever.
The second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel, according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to Jesus, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message of their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. 
one verse that will serve as our emphasis for our meditation this morning. Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. What's your purpose? What's your mission? What are we trying to accomplish? What are our goals? I really like asking those questions, especially with groups and people who've been doing something for a long time, just to lead us to pause and force ourselves to think and articulate why is it we do the things that we do. Sometimes we know that really well. Other times it might take a little bit of time to think. But always I find it helpful. And when I find it most gratifying is when we surprise ourselves. And we can be surprised because sometimes we're sure we know why someone does something, but it turns out we had it wrong the whole time. To illustrate that, I want to tell you a story. I grew up on a dairy in Mount Angel. It was a generational family farm. And I knew that it was my grandfather as a young man who'd moved us just into cows and not crops and everything else. And I always assumed that was because of his personality. He had a personality that valued consistency and routine and a regular schedule. And he was real skeptical of high-risk ventures. So, knowing that about Grandpa, I just assumed, well, that's why dairy business would appeal to him. You aren't dependent on one big harvest at the summer. The cows give milk every day. And you don't have a huge payout, but you have a steady paycheck, as steady as farming has. And if you're willing to put in the work that is very routinized. So it just seemed like a natural fit. And certainly that's why he'd done that. He sketched out what was the smart move for them in the business. Well, one time, I actually asked him, how come you shifted to having a dairy instead of most of the other farms in the area weren't dairies, they were other things? And he said, oh, well, when I was drafted, my dad couldn't bring in the hops by himself. So he took out the hops, and by the time Grandpa got back, all that were left were animals. Not only had it nothing to do with his personality, it wasn't even really thought through. It was just kind of what happened. I was pretty surprised. There was a reason why this happened, but not what I thought it was going to be. And I only share that story because of those moments in our lives when we ask why are we doing what we're doing, the way we could be surprised because we didn't have it right this whole time. And I thought of that this week because in our gospel reading, Jesus does something here in the gospel of Mark he hasn't done yet. He explains his purpose. 
Why is he doing? What is he here to do? And he says, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that's what I came out to do. Jesus states his purpose to proclaim the message. I would suggest that would have been very surprising to his disciples. The reason it's surprising is that with the exception of one verse so far in the Gospel of Mark, that is not what Jesus has been doing. We've not had Jesus, frankly, saying much of anything yet in the Gospel of Mark. What we have had is him doing quite a few things, doing very powerful things. He's been in the wilderness tempted by Satan. He's driven out an unclean spirit in the synagogue. And then at the opening of our text today, he's entered a private space, a house, and done a healing work, showing that Jesus works not only in the big, grand public square, but also individually. And Simon's mother-in-law is not someone who has an unclean spirit, but simply an illness where most of us live in our regular lives. So, and it says further that the whole town comes to him. He's being seen as the mighty worker who does powerful things, a person of significance. The Gospel of Mark has told us from verse 1 that he is Son of God and Messiah, so it would logically make good sense. Isn't this what you're here to do? Through the work of Christ to show that you are fully God and thereby to allow us to worship you rightly. It makes sense. But then after all those great works of power, Jesus says, so that I might proclaim the message there also for this is what I came out to do. Proclaiming is not what we thought. Jesus was doing. The story has all been about Jesus' work, what Jesus has done. And I would have expected his work here to lead to other work. One might even say through a very complicated plot dynamic that's going to lead up to the final work of crucifixion and resurrection. And for him to say something like that is what I came here to do. It's what scholars call the work of Christ. But he doesn't say that. Instead, he says his purpose is to proclaim. And of course, what do you proclaim? What makes it different than just speaking? You proclaim the word of God. So we have been focusing this entire time on the work of Christ. And here he's saying his purpose really isn't about that. It's about the Word of Christ. This does not fit their expectations. What are you doing, Jesus? Why? What's your purpose? And I think they made a distinction that we can make. Jesus acting on our behalf and in our life. What we call the work of Christ. But I'm not sure we like as much the word of Christ. 
The way Jesus brings the message of God to each and every one of us. See, the work of Christ, that which Jesus has done, we are familiar with. Jesus, living on the earth around 33 A.D., is a wonderful thing we can observe and watch from the sideline. And we're so thankful and appreciative that Jesus did that, and he's taken kind of care of all of those issues for us. But the Word of Christ, the Word of God, is something that speaks to us right now. And in speaking, it convicts us. It shows us that we are indeed sinful people who fail to live the way God intends. Jesus used phrases like, you hypocrites, or you will deny me. Of course, Jesus also says, take and eat, this is my body, or I am with you always unto the very end of the age. Those moments of grace are necessary and precious to us, but frankly, I'd rather receive them without the conviction part. But the word of Christ doesn't give us that choice. The word of Christ, I think, is harder for us, too, because it exists not just as something Jesus did a long time ago, but as something that speaks to us right now. We, for example, like to talk in this congregation and in this denomination a lot about being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I think we love that. We love being the means of grace to one another, serving one another. And when we do that, we rightly recognize that in showing grace, we become, in Martin Luther's words, God's masks. And not only do we help another human, another thing, we help ourselves as reflecting the very grace we receive from God. And what's more, there's not just one way to do that, but many, many ways. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in as many and varied ways as we are varied. Wherever we are. It's wonderful theology. It matters to us. That's why we emphasize it so much. But in addition to the hands and feet of Jesus, there's also being the ears and the mouth. With the ears of Jesus, we listen. We hear the word of Christ proclaimed from wherever it comes to us. The word of God. The message that says simultaneously, you are convicted and you are forgiven. You are beloved. You are mine. It's not a historical narrative about Jesus doing work on earth in the past, but speaking to you today exactly where you are, being the ears of Jesus. And then there's being the mouth of Jesus. See, Jesus here says his purpose is that I will proclaim the gospel, but five chapters later, lest you think you're off the hook, Jesus will send out his disciples to do precisely the same thing. And the word of God they proclaim is the same word of God Jesus proclaims. 
And that's not because they're such brilliant theologians. Indeed, if there's one thing we learn about the the disciples in the Gospel of Mark is they never get anything right. But it's still the same Word of God because of the character of the Word of God. The Word that does not pass away. The Word of God that both simultaneously provides us conviction and grace at the same time, at all times. The Word that goes to all other people. The Word that shows up in surprising places. Not just pulpits like this, but everywhere we encounter others and we hear something that we know is Christ speaking to us. And that Word of God isn't just something proclaimed, it's something that acts. Throughout this sermon, I've made a kind of unhelpful and false distinction, but it worked for me, between the work of Christ and the Word of Christ. Jesus His whole point is that there is no real distinction between those things. We might have been surprised by Jesus' purpose here, that after doing all these works of power, he says his purpose is to proclaim, but for Jesus, these are never different. The word itself acts, and the works of power are extensions of that word of God, that the kingdom of God has come near, as he said earlier on in the gospel. The word of God that works and acts in us today. When we proclaim the word of God, when it's proclaimed to us, it works in us. The work of Christ is alive. Just as we are convicted, we are forgiven. Just as we feel lost, we are found. Just as we are surprised and shocked, we are assured. Christ's work and word are always with us. Amen.
With the whole church, let us confess our Christian faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. As we celebrate Christ embodied in human form, we pray for God's blessing on the church, the world, and all of creation. Everlasting God, you bring your healing power to the church. Give your church a spirit of unity and prayer that we discern your way for us in the world. God of grace, hear our prayer. Creator of the ends of the earth, you make the grass grow and send rain for the soil. Bring your creation into harmony and balance. Give animals their food and provide healthy shelter for your people. Inspire us to honor the miraculous beauty of all that you've made. God of grace, hear our prayer. God without equal, your steadfast love endures forever. Bring the leaders, elected officials, and peacekeepers of our towns and countries into understanding and unity. Guide them to serve with compassion and understanding. God of grace, hear our prayer. God, who gives power to the faint, challenge us to share the faith stories of what God has done in our lives. Open us to receive the unique ways God is at work in your people, especially those whose perspectives challenge our own. God of grace, hear our prayer. God, who strengthens, you lift up with your hand any who are suffering. Heal those who are brokenhearted and strengthen the weak the ill, the injured, and all in any need. This day we especially remember Dan Bates, Terry Chapp, Chuck Dietz, Gay and Dal Haverland, Doug and Jody Martin, Morgan McCrory, Gretchen and Jeff Seamus, Ray and Susan Wade, several of the family members of David Joe. For whom else or what else do the people pray?
God of grace, hear our prayer. God, who calls each person, animal, and all things by name, we remember all who've died. Shelter all who mourn with your mercy and care, and give us hope in your promised salvation. We pray especially today for all who love Dick Sanders, one of our friends from the Springs, who died recently. God of grace, hear our prayer. Knowing the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, we offer these prayers in the silent prayers of our hearts in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. I invite you to stand up and share that peace with one another and wave to those joining us from home. The peace of Christ is with them as well. A few announcements of our life together. First, I want to make note, you see in the bulletin there, next week, next Sunday the 11th, we are going to have a special coffee hour between services at Christus House. And this will be hosted by the Christus House students. This is something they wanted to do for uh, Central Lutheran, so I encourage everyone to come. We won't have adult education next week. We will spend some time there. We'll be able to kind of see that facility a little bit. Some of the members of the campus ministry committee will tell you a little bit about what's been going on with campus ministry, and it's just going to be a wonderful time. So please plan on doing that. Um, We're here in Pacific time zone, so the athletic event that's next week is until the afternoon, so you'll be fine. (laughs) Uh, and uh, also note, um, Easter's very early this year, which means Ash Wednesday is very early this year. So mark your calendars um, for February 13th is going to be our Shrove Tuesday Pancake Supper. And so that's, um, in, instead of the Together Tuesdays, we'll be having a real celebration there. Um, so that'll be at 515 this coming week is a normal Together Tuesday, and then Shrove Tuesday, and then Ash Wednesday is February 14th. Services here both at noon and at 7.30, so just make sure that doesn't sneak up on you. Um, then a few other um, brief announcements. Um, we are putting together another Lenten devotional like we did last year, meaning written by members and friends of Central. And if you're interested in participating in that, uh, please talk to me. Um, we need some more people, so please come talk to me, and you might also 
be hearing from me a little bit. And we'll get a few more of these together. This is a wonderful way for us to tell our story of who we are as a devotional body of Christ. Next, I want to note that directly after this service, anyone seeking individual prayer is welcome to go to the chapel, and one of our prayer ministers will be there and will love to pray with you. And then the final thing is to note, at 4 p.m. today, there is an organ concert that is in person. It'll also be live-streamed, but please try to come in person, featuring uh, Dr. Karen Nelson. Um, so um, please join us for that. Um, with those announcements, um, I invite us to continue with our worship
Let us pray. Gracious God, receive the gifts we bring, ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Through this meal, unite us as your body, shining with the light of your justice and mercy. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth. In mercy for our fallen world, you gave your only Son, that all those who believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We give thanks to you for the salvation you have prepared for us through Jesus Christ. Send now your Holy Spirit into our hearts, that we may receive our Lord with a living faith as he comes to us in his holy supper. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for them all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, 
We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. For distribution this morning, once the servers are in place, we'll invite you to come forward through the center aisle to the floor where you receive the bread in the form of a wafer and then intinct or dip it in the cup. The cup has red wine or white grape juice. All are welcome at the Lord's table. This is Christ's meal, and it's Christ bids you come.
And now, in the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. O God, you called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Before the benediction, I'd like to invite forward um, those who are Eucharistic ministers to come up forward. The Eucharistic minister program is something we do for some of our members with a um, small amount of training who come, who bring communion to some of our members who can't be here with us. And we send them out on the first Sunday of every month. And, um, and if you're interested in knowing more about that or being a Eucharistic minister, please feel free to talk to me. Having consecrated the elements of bread and wine, we give thanks and praise to God for our Eucharistic ministers. And we ask God to guide them in their serving so that our brothers and sisters in Christ who receive the gift of Holy Communion may also be strengthened for their journey and kept in God's grace. Let us pray. God of all life and all good, bless your servants and those whom they serve. Make your presence known in your Holy Supper so that all who share in this meal may be fed and nourished with the bread of life and drink from the cup of salvation. This we pray through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. And also to note that Gary and Kelly Brown are some of our Eucharistic ministers who aren't here in person because they're currently being Eucharistic ministers. That is, bringing communion to uh, the community that gathers at the theater at the Springs. So I want to acknowledge them as well. Thank you all for your service. Now I invite the congregation to stand for the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
in peace. Share the light of Christ. Thanks be to God.